0: And welcome back to the Edinburgh Whistle Podcast. I am Scott Botkantz, and I am joined by my co-host Adam Brick. And it's been a while since we've been on, Adam, but we're, uh, we're excited to be here towards the end of the season. And uh, you got any words that you'd like to welcome the, the listeners to?
1: It is nice to be back, and we're doing something special today. We're broadcasting from the Vienna Inn here in Vienna, Virginia. They are celebrating their 59th anniversary in business, so this is a great place to come out. We're here for breakfast. They have awesome breakfast food, um, great hazelnut coffee, and but most importantly, their chili dogs and their beers. It's a great neighborhood place, so come on out to the Vienna Inn. And we're very thankful for them to allow us to set up shop here and bring you this postseason podcast. So for today's episode, one of the things we want to talk about is getting ready for postseason play. We're winding down the regular season. Uh, it's a nice snowy day here in Virginia. Schools are closed, games are off tonight, so we thought it would be a good time to talk about getting ready for the postseason. One of those important things is the decisions that we make during games and our ability to make decisions. And for me, many officials are very reactive to plays and really need to begin thinking about the plays. Anticipate the play, not necessarily the foul. Let the whole play develop, and then decide whether the contact that occurs warrants putting air in the whistle. And be very cognizant of the fact of what just happened on the, on the end of the floor at the other end on prior plays. We want to make sure we maintain consistency as a crew in these very important games as the season winds down as teams go home when they lose. One of the things that's important, particularly in postseason, is the mistakes that we make, and we're going to make judgment mistakes. Coaches understand that. The challenge for us is to make sure that as games go on in the third and fourth quarter that those mistakes get minimized because the time left in the game doesn't give the teams and the coaches a chance to recover from the mistakes that we make. They can recover from a bad travel call in the first quarter. They can recover from a missed out-of-bounds call in the second quarter or a mistake on a block charge. But if it's in the fourth quarter with... Three minutes to go, and we miss a play. They don't have time to recover from that mistake. So we have to get sharper as the game goes on. And that's a challenge for us. That's a mental challenge of staying in the game and an ability to recognize when we've made a mistake, but to put it behind us. And the best players do that. The best shooters shoot their way out of slumps. We got to call our way out of slumps. Um, so it's, it's important as a crew that we work together to make sure we get those plays right, particularly. During this time of year And, and to me the, the, the last piece of that Is about common sense officiating Understanding Rivalries Understanding when it's district playoff time Or regional playoff time Or, or conference playoff time Whatever your particular uh, high school calls th- Their postseason That just because kids Are chatting with each other Doesn't mean it warrants a technical foul Sometimes we can talk them out of it it's, is it for the betterment of the game? Uh, don't, don't be so quick to go to your holster for a technical foul. Will the technical help the game? If we manage the game from beginning to end and we use the captains to help manage their teams, then we can get through a game um, much more effectively than we would if we were going to the holster very quickly. So for me, postseason play is about just sharpening our skills, sharpening our mind, And there's a way to do that. And I know, Scott, you're very big in, you know, how we prepare for games. So can you talk to talk to the group about how you get ready and how you prepare for the postseason?
0: So, Adam, yeah, I I agree. Preparation is the most important piece of the puzzle for us as officials. as We get ready for the postseason. The teams are out there practicing. They're breaking down film with their future opponents. They got uh, coaches and assistant coaches going out and scouting teams. So it's it's a really important time uh, for the for the kids and the teams as they get ready. And I, th- I think the, the the first thing I'd like to say about this is we've got to take this seriously. for For the most important reason is that one day one of these kids is going to stop wearing that jersey. It's, it's the last time they'll put that jersey on, uh, and we need to be as professional and as prepared as we possibly can be, as opposed to just showing up for a game like we would normally do for a recreation set on a weekend. We got to focus and really understand the levity of the situation. So, you know, one, one team's going home at the end of the night. There's kids that will never wear that jersey again, and that's going to be uh, really the theme behind a lot of the things that I'm talking about. You know, one of the things from a professionalism standpoint, you know, being on time, you know, being uh, being communication with your partners, make sure that you uh, know what time you're going to be there, show up together, have a nice pregame, make sure that you have... Uh, the proper attire, you're wearing a, you know, a, a nice tie or a, a suit or a sweater with a, a jacket. Those are the types of things that you know are, are really important for us to make sure that we, uh, we wear.
1: And what we're not saying is you don't have to dress like Al Smith from Tuscarora, but you do gotta dress nicely.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do wanna find out where Al gets his jackets. Those are amazing. I don't know about the shoes, but the jackets are amazing. So
1: I do know the shoes are Stacy Adams because I asked them one time during a game. And then I asked him how what size they run. He's like, Adam, I'm trying to coach a game. I said, yeah, no, I'm trying to get nice
0: shoes, though. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you know, to be prepared, you know, again, the, the teams are getting ready. So what are some of the things that we can do? Well, um, we have the advantage of having huddle. So one of the things that you can do is if you have a matchup of, of two teams coming up, go watch their previous games or go watch. Uh, maybe they played uh, earlier in the season if it's district. Or even if it's regional, they might have had a, a, a game against each other um, get to know some of the players. Uh, maybe talk to some of the other crews that you see. And ask them what they've seen. Maybe there's, you know, uh, a, a player that we need to know, uh, you know, we got to get them on our side. Th- those are the kinds of kids that can turn a game sideways or can turn a game the right way for us. So um, I would pay attention to that. I would also make sure that, you know, always have your bag packed at this time of year. You just never know when there's an opportunity for us to, Uh, Have a conversation uh, with the commissioner where he calls you and says, hey, I need you to go somewhere, Um, which is, you know, is is really important, you know, uh, at this time of the year. The the last thing is get back in the rule book, you know, the, the case book. Read some of these plays. Go watch some of these videos. If you're if you were having a hard time with the long switch, go watch Greg Austin's video on a better official, which is on YouTube and watch his backcourt foul switches. It will help you be more prepared. It will allow you the opportunity. I mean, trust me, if Adam can learn how to do the long switch because of watching that video, anybody can do it.
1: Amen to Greg Austin. I actually think I do the long switch right. Gil Mack is so proud of me.
0: (laughs) And that takes a lot for Gil to be proud of you. You know, the, the last thing I would say is not only communication with our partners, but communication with the people that we service, the players, the coaches, the administrators, but especially the coaches, um, we got to understand that this is a time of year where uh, their their stress level is a little bit higher, and we need to give them a little bit more room to be able to react to plays. Uh, we got to give them an opportunity to react, but also a chance to cool down and, and make sure that they understand uh, the process of the fact that we're officiating the game and they're uh, you know they're coaching a very important game, and, and we need to understand and work together. So it's better for everyone. So Adam, I think it's probably a good time for us to bring in our special guest this week. So I'll let you do the honors of introducing our guest speaker.
1: Well, we are happy to have with us today Irv Green, who is a veteran of Northern Virginia high school basketball for the better part of probably close to 30 years. It almost feels like throwback Friday, because here I am at the Vienna Inn looking at their Miss Pac-Man and Galaga. uh, video games which you can still do they actually also have a CNP and p telephone phone booth in here um, it is a classic joint um, and so it's only appropriate that we have a classic guest today um, Irv was a high school coach for the better part of 20 years um, and sat on Wendell Byrd's bench at South Lakes High School and, and taught there just retired from from teaching so Irv thank you for all you did in the, in the Fairfax public school system Uh, And what most people don't know is that prior to coaching, Irv actually started out as a referee. And uh, since he didn't do that very well, he decided to go to the dark side uh, and coach. And about eight years ago, he left coaching and came back to the bright side uh, and started to referee again to the point where last year he received his first state tournament assignment. So we're happy to have him here with us on this snowy day. I know that Ramon Palacios thinks it's a little ridiculous that there was no school today, but he is a Chicago native, and so he's used to this kind of stuff. But the rest of us, not quite so. Uh, But we're glad to have Irv with us. And and Irv, I think one of the things that our listeners would love to hear from you, having experienced both uh, coaching and refereeing, is can you give us an idea from the coaching perspective of what their
2: expectations are from us
1: as referees?
2: Sure, Adam. And... I would like to thank you and Scott both for uh, having me today, and it's uh, truly an honor to be on the uh, podcast. Um, some some of the things that you always hear about the expectations from the officials of the coaches would like to see is officials working hard. You know, given everything that they have in that game at that moment, because you always talk about how the uh, coaches and players prepare themselves for the game. So the officials, the, the coaches want the officials to go out and, and work as hard as they can. You know, and, and give everything they have in that game, because that game means a lot to them that day.
1: So, Irv, when, when you talk about working hard, you're t- also talking about the appearance of working hard from a physical perspective?
2: Absolutely, and because you have some teams that, that may – all teams don't play the same style, so you have teams that may be uh, up-and-down type of team, or you might have teams that play half-court where you wouldn't have to work as hard. But in your mind, you should come in uh, physically ready to give everything that you have at, the, at that game at that moment.
1: I know Scott and I have talked about this. One of our pet peeves is officials who don't run uh, when they should. And we have too many officials that walk when they should be running. And that's an old Jay Dallas Shirley statement. Talk about throwback Friday is, is don't walk when you can run. And I've seen many tapes this year where we have officials walking up the court on a last second shot. When it, and, and don't get me wrong. They got the call correct, but it just doesn't look good because they're not hustling up the court.
2: Yeah, and optically, that's that's not a good look. And by not getting down the floor and hustling down the floor, it gets you out of position. You're not going to be in a position to make the correct call, even though you might get the call correct, but you're not in a position to make the call and, and look good getting there to make the call.
0: So those, are, those are really good points. I, I, I'm interested, though, you know, from a former coach's perspective, where does consistency fall in line with what the coach's expectations
2: are of officials? C- the consistency piece is I feel um, critical because in a game you could have all types of plays that that uh, that are called either not consistently or consistently but just coaches like to see the plays if you're going to call something on one end and it's close to being similar on the other end then they want that same call especially if it's not made if the calls not made so um, consistency is, is huge. And, and you always hear coaches saying, hey, let's be consistent. Let's, we're just looking for some consistency out there. So making making those calls that are similar will go a long way with coaches because I, I know sitting on the bench for years, that's all I always hear is, you know, they're not being consistent. Well, I mean, <laughs> what can we do about that?
0: Well, and that also goes to the fact of we just had a meeting recently where we showed some video clips of, you have one, one end of the court where there's a clean block, but there's a lot of contact, there's bodies on the floor, and we don't, we don't have a whistle, which is fine. But then we go down the other end and we have a hand check or something that just doesn't match the amount of physical play that we allowed on the other end. And I think that that's, that's also part of the consistency that you're referencing. Yeah, and part of that, Scott,
1: and our, is as officials, and this goes back to the decision-making piece, is knowing what's been called or not called on the other end, even though it may not have been our call. I know the, the, the word today is cataloging plays, right? Um, we need to know what our partners just did and try to think about why they just did what they did. Mm-hmm. Did they pass on it because they deemed the contact not to be sufficient enough or that the, the, the block of the shot happened before the body contact? Or did they not call it because they were um, straight line and couldn't sit? Those are the decisions that we have to make in regards to not only whether we should reach out of her and get a call, but just as important, the consistency in terms of when we go down the other end of the floor, you know, Scott lets a, a nice block with some contact go on one end, I go down and call a, a nickel-dimer, ticky-tack, and
2: one, and that puts us in a suit right away. And we used to have a coach, one of the assistant coaches, who would chart uh, what we would call, it wasn't called cataloging, and we called them... Uh, Consistent, non-consistent calls, and just what Scott was talking about—that block shot on one end and then the other end—you know—we you just talk about the, the nickel diver. Um, we would chart those, and we would always come out, of course, on the high side of not being consistent. And then you wonder why coaches, as soon as something happens, I mean, you, you pass on this one, then you come down and you, you call this one, then you wonder why coaches react the way they react. It's because of the not being consistent you know just it's better to to let those plays go or get in position to see the, the the play so that you can make the right call or they'll call it all. i assume that scott uh led the chart there on the nickel dimers <laughs> <laughs> i won't uh say who led it i, I do know but i won't say <laughs> not today
0: so irv i think another piece of the puzzle is you know one of the last things i talked about for the officials to get ready is the communication piece and Sometimes it's not just communicating. You know, some people are not great communicators. It's just acknowledgement. So can,
2: can you maybe touch on that from a coach's perspective too? Yeah, and, and the big thing is be open to communicating. Don't just uh, you know you have the coach talking or or asking a question, especially when they're asking a question, and there's no um, you know there's no kind of nonverbal or not just a nod of the head will go a long way with a coach, but. Just ignoring them totally will will really set a coach off. Um, and and knowing how to communicate with coaches, especially again if they're asking a question, uh, let's make sure that we we you know answer them. I mean with me being an official now it, it makes it easier for me to uh, be able to communicate with coaches because i've been on that other side and and knowing exactly what the coaches are are going through or even what they're thinking because right away if they're going to ask you a question be ready to answer it and not be so quick to just not answer the question
1: we just got our first email in uh in the email bag and it's from charlie shedler and the first thing he says is hey guys thanks for finally doing another podcast and uh, thanks, Charlie, for listening and Keith on pestering us about doing it. But Charlie's question to, to Irv is can you talk a little bit about the role of how the assistant coaches play into the whole communication piece, particularly perhaps when the head coach is becoming a little bit of, a, uh, of an issue
2: during the game? Yeah, I, I remember uh, all those years, especially when – if Wendell would keep his suit jacket on, I could grab him easily, you know, to make sure that he, he stayed in, kind of in line. I mean, he was, he was never one of those coaches that went too far in the line. But, but I would always say that the role of the assistant coach is to make sure that you take care of the head coach. Keep him, keep him from getting that, that technical foul, especially if there's an official that comes in that, that just, you know, we, we know that he's going to be looking for one of you know, those technical fouls to call. So I would always just grab him. Hey, look. Come here, Wonder. <laughs> yeah. So you're talking about being the get back coach. The get back coach. Yeah, basically about about being the get back coach because a lot of times Wonder would take that that coaching box and just it, it it wouldn't even be there. You know, it's like, hey, Coach, you got, and he would always joke with me. You, you you just like to be on the official side, anyway. No, I'm not getting on the official side. I'm trying to save you, <laughs> make sure you stay here. So that I'm not coaching the rest of the game. <laughs> you know, so um, and, and and you know. It's always good to have an assistant coach that can also communicate with the officials in the proper way, especially during timeouts, you know, knowing where the ball is going to be. official may come over and say, hey, look, can you take care of number 14 for me or number 12? You know, and then, you know, we'll go talk to those kids and make sure that they keep the history going straight. And a lot of times the head coaches don't have time to do all that stuff. But then you have to communicate that with your head coach to make sure that, hey, Adam came over and said, take care of 14, you know, so... The one thing
1: I like to do with timeouts is usually at the first timeout of the game, I go to the bench that that I'm responsible for, and I and I'll ask, "Who's the 1st horn coach tonight?" And the assistant coaches, you know, they get a chuckle out of that. But I've just put somebody in charge of making sure they get out, so that I don't have to be the, you know, the police going all over there all the time to yell at them to get out of the huddle. But you, I know from the officiating side that using assistant coaches and captains can go a long way in helping manage the game. Uh, from beginning to end, even without a head coach getting out of line, you can really use assistant coaches um, and communicate that with them, and 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 just make the game better.
0: Yeah. So while you guys were talking, I got a text from Scott Grove up in Connecticut. Uh, Grover is one of our former officials who's uh, moved up to Connecticut, but he still stays in touch. And
1: hey, Chris, can I get a chili he dog? Was,
0: uh, he was one of those uh, officials that was always interested in this podcast, but he did send me a text and say, dude. Uh, you know, question for Irv is: do the, do the coaches understand that it's not always the official that's closest to the play that has the responsibility for calling the play? It might be somebody else, and uh, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit about that as well.
2: I hate to say that coaches do not know the uh, responsibilities of the officials on the floor. Uh, they feel that if it's if it's something that's in front of you and it's not in your area, they feel like you should be making that call, but. That's, that's not always the case because you're not going to want to uh, have an official step in front of them, their partner and make a call uh, that, that's like right in front of that official. So coaches don't understand. They don't, they don't
0: get it. Well, and I think maybe one example that we can give is uh, the lead official is the one that's underneath the basket for any coaches that may be listening to this podcast, uh, but not always responsible for specific things of a player that might be right in front of them. You know we always have our trail official the one that's out by the division line or closer maybe to your bench at their table side um, they're the official that's responsible to help the lead official with feet anything below the knees as well as anything up high uh, not that the, the lead couldn't get an obvious call but anything up high the you know you get the backboard and you're trying to really focus on between shoulders and knees so it's uh, that's one area where I think that we always get uh, in trouble you know they yell at the lead but believe league doesn't have that responsibility.
1: I just think that's way too much information for coaches like Andrew Duggan because if he starts talking to me about the, the lead and that was below the shoulders, we're gonna Andrew, we're going to have problems, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's true. There's probably some other coaches, but I know Andrew can take right. it. So, um, you know, let's talk about, you know, some of the other things that I think it's, uh, you know, important. Uh, you know, what are some of the other things that, that you'd like to share with the officials about, The uh, coaches and and just understanding where
2: they're coming from at this time of year. This time of year is is very critical because I've I've been in many locker rooms where um, you know we we've lost our last game and kids kids take it real hard. You know I've I've seen tears. I've seen. You know, 18, 17-year-old seniors sit and cry because they have to take that uniform off for the last time. Yeah. You know, they, they don't have another high school okay. game. So we have to be a little more um, sensitive towards how we treat these playoff games because we don't want to go in with a lot of... Yeah. Uh, uh, we, we do want to empathize and have some empathy uh, for, the, for the kids, for the coaches, for, the, for that game because it is could be their last game. Someone's going to continue to play and someone's going to have to pack it up for the, for the season. You know, you use a word there,
1: uh, or of empathy, that I use a lot uh, okay. when it comes to the relationship of, of coaches and officials. And I think that's one of the unique things you bring to officiating is your background as a coach. It's because as officials, we tend not to understand the plight of the coaches and players. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then obviously it needs to be a two-way street, but I think – we become better officials, better communicators or listeners, better game managers when we have a sense of the effort, uh, the, the, the plight that the coaches and the players are going through. Um, and, and to me, I think that empathetic gene, which some leaders in our country today don't have, sorry to get political, but
2: I'm going to, um, I think as officials, we need to have that. Yeah, you're correct. And again, they, all the all the time from November until March or February or whatever that time frame is, uh, th- there needs to be some time where the empathy comes in. And again, you know, you have you have teams packing up, and that that game that night means a lot to both of those teams. And as officials, we have to come in and not be so quick to, you know pull out the, the, the I call it the pistol from my pocket and be ready to just start teeing up people on the floor. Just be able to communicate with the with the players, the coaches and and have the empathy to um, understand that you know there's there's gonna be some things that that's gonna happen but we can we can talk to the players and we can talk to the coaches without having to use our last resort. Well and
0: I think one thing that's important for Uh, development of officials, and that's probably going to segue us into our next topic, but it's, you know, when you look at the JV level officials, they're learning how to communicate, they're learning how to have those conversations. They're also learning how to, you know, when's the appropriate time to, to give a warning or a technical foul? Whereas I think when you get to the varsity level, you're more looking at ways that you can communicate to not have a technical foul. Adam and I were talking the other day about you know, it's been a long time since you know we've had technical fouls on coaches, and I think it's just more from a standpoint of we, we try to communicate with them the way that we would want to be communicated with, and that's as adults. So, Irv, I think one of the things that uh, has changed here at Cardinal for the last few years is uh, we came up with the idea that we needed to have something for our non varsity officials that once they passed the applicant class they kind of just fell off until they were eventually offered the opportunity to come to SCP. And I came to you with the idea of a vision of having some type of program that would allow us to map out non-Varsity officials and give them the opportunity to uh, uh, have some type of game plan going forward that they didn't just fall through the cracks, which uh, allows us to keep more officials. And much to your credit, uh, you, you agreed with my, my thought process and really just implemented your own program. Um, you know, a lot of people will, will give me the credit. It was just my idea, but you're the one that, that has really put it in place. And so I thought it might be good for our officials, especially our non-varsity officials, to hear about some of the programs that we've implemented and how you're doing the things that you're doing to help them
2: with their officiating levels. Yeah, the uh, non-varsity yeah. training program is very beneficial for the non-varsity officials uh, to have an avenue to get better at their craft, and I could say that when I first came in It wasn't that way you had to kind of find your way through uh, just, to, just to get to where you really wanted to be as an official uh, Over the last couple of year, years we've trained 128 officials using the summer league out at South Lakes the JV summer league and having these officials have that opportunity to be critiqued or trained, um, so to speak, and then also have live video of themselves that they go home with, a, a DVD of their game, uh, after each game, yes, and we would have, on one court, we would have two-person two training, where officials would work in, in two-person modes, and then on the other court, we would have three-person training, where the officials would work three-person uh, games on the two courts. And in those games you have two trainers who would be on the floor uh, speaking in a mic where they're being filmed where they get feedback uh, on, on their games. Now we, we didn't we don't expect these officials to know uh, three persons especially because we're there to train them in three personal officially. And then also with the two person, we just try to get them to be better two person officials. And usually the first through third-year officials are the ones that
0: we have the the two-person training. So, Irv, when you're talking about this this training, and I think that uh, you and I will both agree that it does take a village. We we have a lot of guys and gals that give up their time to come out and videotape. But also, uh, something different uh, in your league is that we have guys and gals running up and down the court with officials we don't have that at SAP, sap they they have to be ready for what they're getting into there but can you just talk a little bit about the importance of having volunteers and maybe sharing how people might be able to uh, let you know that they'd be interested in jumping in on that
2: yeah we've, we've been able to assemble a great team of uh, trainers i think we're up to about 18 uh, trainers that uh, come out and, and give up their time and, and to give back to these officials, giving them the feedback uh, in their games. And then we also have, as you said, officials who come out and run up and down and you know, be on, be with the officials on the floor not right on the floor, but sometimes they do go out on the floor and make sure that they're in the right spot and move them to the, might take them and move them to the right, to get the right ankle. So yeah, we do have officials that come out and do that. We're still looking for more varsity officials who would love to uh, we would love to have them come out and, and give up their time to work with these officials because once upon a time, we all were in their shoes. So, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're if you interested in, in wanting to be a part of the training program, just send me an email. I'm at CBOA, N as in Nancy, B as in Victor, C as in Cat at gmail.com. and. You know, we would would love to have any and everybody to come out, especially boss <laughs> officials that would be willing to give up their time.
0: So again that's C B O A N V C at Gmail.com. And uh Irv, it's been a, a pleasure interviewing you. We're glad that you were able to come out today and uh you're gonna you're gonna sit with us for the rest of the show. We got a couple more uh, things to talk about, but uh just wanna say thank you for for everything that you do with the diversity program, but also for just officiating in general, it's really important for these guys uh, to know how much you care. And uh, I know that we're planning on some new things this summer that we wanted to try to do last summer. Coming up with some uh, some ideas on camps and some other things. So uh, thanks again for for coming out this morning, and we uh, look forward to having you again. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Speaking about camps, I know uh, for you guys,
1: this is going to be the third summer of the Steve Gordon Basketball Officials Camp, and I was hoping that you could share with our listeners some details and some information about that camp.
0: Yeah, Adam, thanks. So, As you said, it's our third year. It's our second year in conjunction with the Paul Webb uh, Basketball Team Camp. We're really excited about being partners with them in their first session uh, for their camp, but it's uh, like you said, it's, uh, it's a great camp for the really the the newer official, the non-varsity official. If you're somebody that's looking to get hired by a college uh, commissioner, this isn't the right camp. But if you want to learn three-person, you want to get some uh, basketball, you know, you've already gone through 101, but maybe 201, 301, uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, If if you're there for more than two years, uh, you're probably missing the boat because we're just a teaching camp. We just want to teach the right aspects of three-person mechanics and officiating. And make sure that we're doing the right thing. So, if if you're interested, we still have a website uh, coming up uh, that we're working on, but you can email either myself, uh, Scott Bockhanson, at cboavp at gmail.com or Irv at cboanvc at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, Irv, you got anything you want to add on that?
2: Sure, there's uh, gonna be two sessions. Uh, Friday and Saturday night will be the first session. And that session, I think we were looking at having the new officials to attend. And then the Sunday, Monday would be the second session. So those are the two sessions that uh, will take place this summer.
0: And again, it's, you know, you're one night away and it's, uh, we tried to keep uh, the cost under 200 hours, which we were able to do. So it's 175 bucks. Uh, if you're gonna stay over, if you're gonna commute, which you can, it's only 150. Uh, but we do have all the meals and uh, everything taken care of for you. So, again, we're, we're really excited about being able to partner uh, you know, with them. So the dates on the camp, and this is at Randolph-Macon, part of the Paul Webb team camp for their first session. Uh, our session one for newer officials is uh, Friday, July, uh, June 28th, and Saturday, June 29th. And then for session two, it would be Sunday, June 30th, and Monday, July 1st. So that's uh, pretty much it. So thanks for uh, for considering that. For our regular listeners, you're used to
1: us discussing our pet peeves, which sometimes can be uh, the, the fun part of the episode. Um, so, Irv, if you would, as our special guest today, um, can you, you're a special guest referee, you're not Gorilla Monsoon from the old WWF, but you are a special guest today. Um, again, throwback Friday to Gorilla Monsoon and, and professional wrestling. Now, can you share with us as an official
2: what one of your pet peeves is, please? Yes, I can. And that pet that, that peeve is, and, I, and a, Jimmy Jones got on me one time about uh, blowing, blowing the whistle, and he asked me, that I need that whistle? And I'm thinking, what whistle? You don't need to blow the whistle to put the ball in play. Just hand the ball to the player and be ready to go. You know, so that, that is my pet peeve. Every time an official blows his whistle before he puts the ball in play, I'm just cringing. Like. And all I could think about is Jimmy Jones.
1: Love Jimmy Jones. Um, I learned a lot from him, continue to learn a lot from him. And you're talking about um, the only the only time you really need that whistle on an inbounds is on after a, a delay or a timeout or something like that. You don't need to blow the whistle every time you hand the ball in. Um, uh, I do have some uh, pet peeves as it relates to uh, throw-ins. And, and one of them is definitely uh, Jimmy Jones-ish. Um, it, it's not necessarily a yelling spot for a uh, throw-in, but it's pointing to a spot throw-in on the sideline or on the end line in the front court. Because if a player runs with the ball on a throw-in on the sideline, that ain't our fault. That's their coach's fault for not teaching them that you can't do that. Um, I just think it makes us look like we don't know the game of basketball when we tell a kid a spot on a sideline throw-in. Um, I'm all for telling them spot in the on the end line, and Mike Preston, I'm using the word end line, uh, in the backcourt um, so that they, they don't run. But that's the only time they can run if it's a backcourt throw on the end line. Uh, my other pet peeve is relates to throw-ins is officials who put the ball down on the floor um, when we don't need to. That should be... So- the tool of last resort. I just was recently watching a game on tape that I was breaking down, and it was the beginning of a quarter. All 10 kids were on the court. There was a little confusion about something with the players, and the official, instead of using his voice to say, all right, guys, here we go, let's go, he blows his whistle and puts the ball down the floor to add to the confusion when it was just so much easier and so much better to manage that game with your voice as opposed to with your whistle. Um, And that kind of dovetails back to what Earl was talking about, communication and empathy. So, Scott, I'm sure you've got a pet peeve that you'd like to share.
0: I do. And, uh, you know, unlike you guys, my uh, pet peeve is actually sponsored. Uh, You said Mike Preston is sponsored by the hand check rule. So, uh, but my, my pet peeve, has to do with at the end of a game especially a really close game um, there's no reason for us as officials to go retrieve the ball and walk it over to the table the coaches and the teams are crossing to shake hands especially if it's a a situation We, we had a game recently that I was in the stands on where the coach got after one of our officials in the last you know minute of the game about certain plays and it just and it was really close to getting a technical foul. And for some reason, the the same official who was getting all this thrown at them thought it would be a good idea to retrieve the ball from the end line, run it up to the table, and wait for the teams to cross and basically put themselves in the line of fire. And that you gotta you got to be smarter than that. Um, we talked about communication with coaches. You're basically waiting. And, and by the way, they're not going to stop and pat you on the back and say, you know what? I was wrong, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you were right on that play. They're not saying that. So just if, if, you, if you want to be nice, take the ball and roll it towards the table, but, do, you know, it's time to get out of the court and get out of dodge. So that's uh, that's my pet peeve for this week. So, Adam, I think that brings us to the end of another episode of the Intervert Whistle podcast, and uh, why don't you take us home?
1: Well, first let me thank our sponsors. Of course, the Steve Gordon Basketball Officials Camp has been our sponsor all season long, and we wish them well this summer. And to our newest sponsor, the Vienna Inn, for allowing us to do this broadcast here on this snowy day in Vienna. Um, What we wanna do is wish officials and coaches and teams uh, good luck in the postseason. This is time for us all to be sharp and ready to go. And may this be the only inadvertent whistle in your
2: day, crashing hit a
1: wall.